You're now listening to the Longest Road Podcast here on the Federated Media Podcast family. Today I am joined by a South Bend legend. We could call him South Bend's first family of baseball, but the one and only Joel Reinbold. Um, and you guys may be familiar with the name Jim Reinbold, but uh, he's a Hall of Fame in his own right, both in, the, both in the state of Indiana and nationally as a baseball coach. Uh, but the name Reinbold is a staple here in these parts of northern Indiana. Joel, how are you doing? Doing well. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, hey, you know what? I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, I know it's not easy for a skipper uh, getting time away from, uh, especially right now, right? This you're getting is, close now, yeah. Joel is a the head coach right now at for the uh, Clay baseball team, or manager, if you will. Yeah. And uh, you guys still have upstairs. Yes. Well, we actually, since they had the new field house, basically, from when I was there and you were there, I think. Yeah. Um, there's a little more space, but yeah, a little bit more space. Yeah, but up there. it's it's not ideal upstairs. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so um, obviously, uh, you know, the point of this episode today is to sit down and take the look at um, your life, uh, your family's life here, and um, a lot of folks want to know about who this guy is here. <laughs> and um, I got to tell you, even before we begin, um, I was surprised. Um, I smiled a lot by researching you guys and finding out things that I've I've never known before. Um, But even through growing up here and just my family association and uh, through word of mouth and going to the same high school that uh, you went to, your dad coached at, won a state championship at. Um, But I was, again, just completely enamored because of this is the infamous Joel Reinbull I've been hearing about since I was a kid. No, honestly, you know, uh, my well, my mom's side is a Clay family too, so you're a household name in these parts and uh, every it's baseball a small family. Community. Absolutely. So let's jump into that. Um, were you born here? Born and raised in South Bend, Indiana. Oh my goodness. Okay, so uh, St. Joe Hospital. St. Joe Hospital. Mm-hmm. The old St. Joe. Old St. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, old St. Joe. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, for a moment there. Now your folks. We were blessed. My brothers and sister and I were blessed. How many siblings did you have? Uh, I have four brothers. Uh, three brothers and a sister. Jimmy, I think the oldest, he's 64, and then Jonathan's down to 58 or something like that. Yeah. Wow. So they had them all pretty tight. Your parents were from. South Bend on the west side. Um, they went to Woodrow Wilson High School, which is obviously no longer a high school, but uh, that's that's where they graduated from. Yeah. Now, did your dad start coaching high school baseball? He uh, after he finished college, um, he graduated from Mississippi College, same place I graduated from. But he went to Hillsdale first in Western Michigan, then he finished up his last two years down in Mississippi. But he did a stint in the Army in the South Pacific uh, for the Korean War. He was a radio operator. And he would um, coach teams on the island, you know, softball or whatever they had down there, and basketball. He's also a basketball coach when he was first started out, yeah. Oh, no way. He loved basketball. He no really way. Did. Yeah. Even for a little guy, he loved basketball. <laughs> um, but as a kid growing up, he'd always be the guy to organize teams and all that kind of stuff because there was no real, real solid little leagues back then. And he always loved to play, so he's the guy that put it all together. And his first coaching job was at Green Township High School. Wow, Green Township. Way out there. Coached basketball and baseball there. Oh, my goodness. And you, you were you, how old were you at this time? Were you- uh, I, I, let me see. I was an infant. I was just well, actually when he was a Green, I wasn't even born yet. Not even born yeah. yet. Okay, so we're going to. When did it, I guess, in your childhood there? I mean, I'm assuming you grew up with a bat in one hand oh, and a just, baseball in the other, yeah. right? It's pretty much, I mean, you know, the thing that people think is that he made us play or whatever. Right. And that was never the case. No. Never. Matter of fact, I remember a couple of times he tried to talk me out of it. Um, you serious? Yeah, because I was struggling and I wasn't having fun and the whole thing. And he says, Joel, you don't have to play because you're my son. If you don't want to play, I totally understand that. I, I respect that. And I said, no, I want to play. I'm just, it was struggling. But um, so as a kid, I mean, there's a picture of my brothers and I holding the flag in our uniforms at Old Kennedy Park during the sectional. Uh, we, we walked the flag out to, to second base and they played the national anthem there. And uh, it was kind of funny because I couldn't have been more than seven years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was, it, it's a classic picture. You're gonna have. It's, it's, I'm sure it's on Facebook somewhere. Somewhere, huh? I, somewhere I gotta find it. I mean, I've been going through stuff since my folks both passed, but uh, I remember seeing it 
when I was in college, and I said, who are these people? <laughs> they go, those are you. <laughs> and so, yeah, somewhere I got the picture somewhere. Um, so let's take a step. So obviously that's when the baseball blood gene kicked in and it took over. And Really, when it really, for me personally, is when it, I remember watching the 1975 World Series. Okay. And game six especially. And it went for like till two in the morning or whatever it was. And Dad let me stay up, and it was just a great game. And I just remember, man, this is this is neat. So after that, and then watching my brother that next spring, they went to the semi-state and lost the next innings to Laporte in the championship game. And then you know, just it just went from there. You know. Now, were you guys because uh, we'll backtrack a couple of years here. In 1971, your mm-hmm. dad is the coach of uh, Coos Bay. Coos Bay, Oregon. Yep. Yeah, North Ben A's, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, Heck of that, a name there. Yeah, we uh, try fitting that on one jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they had uh, they were given old hand-me-down uniforms from the, the big club. Oh, well, hey. Yeah. You can't complain with that. Matter of fact, got one of uh, Bert Campanaris's uniforms. And oh a couple, no couple, way. A couple other guys, yeah. Oh, that's sweet. That he collected and. Uh, but yeah, it was it was out in Oregon. It was it was an experience. So you guys lived out there with yep. with we flew uh, with out there first. after school got out, and Dad met us. Um, had an apartment for us, waiting for us. And the funny thing is, when we landed, there was this young guy who got off a plane at the same time, and we went to get a cab to go to the to the uh, apartment. And he stole the cab. He took no the way. cab. <laughs> and so we finally get a ride to the to the hotel complex uh, the uh, apartment complex and the next day there's a knock on the door and uh mom opens the door and it's the guy who stole the cab from us it was one of the players one of his dad's players to be yeah Yeah. (laughs) his eyes got like saucers like oh my god yeah tell the skipper now (laughs) (laughs) nothing ever happened with him i just thought it was very ironic that poor guy's luck you know steals the cab of his, his manager's family so yeah, that is good. that is great. Um, so your, your time in Oregon, though, oh, I mean, beautiful country. Um, a couple times we went down to the shore, I mean, the beach when it was you know off days or whatever, and uh, it was an old ballpark, very old ballpark, and every that's that's lumber territory out there, and every every day the the fire mill would catch on fire, so you heard you heard the alarm <laughs> going off. And uh, it was always foggy. It was just it just different different world. <laughs> it's a different world. Yeah. You know, looking at uh, your dad's uh, coaching career, which you know, as we have the colonial hat here, <laughs> you know, he won a state championship in 1970. 1970, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what was that like as a kid's perspective? I mean, I'm sure you were too young, right? To I was right at the the age where you're trying to you're figuring things out. But I remember the deeper they got in the tournament, the more excited people got. And I remember signs on 31, you know, go Clay. All the way with South Bend Clay and stuff like that, and grocery stores had their, you know, the front windows painted up for Clay, and you know, like, man, this is my dad, you know. How neat is and, that? And, the, and those guys, those players on that team were like gods to me. They just like just, um, you know, just at a different level, but uh, um, they uh, they really they really did a good job, and it was a very young team actually, um, but it was just a, an exciting time, you know. He, three other times they made it to the finals or the semi-state and got beat so they could have easily had four state championships rings that was after the, well two before. 67 68 they got beaten the semi-state then 76 when my brother jeff was a senior they got beaten the, the semi-state so they could have had four i mean potentially four state championships themselves yeah oh my goodness you know, for a town this size that's pretty doggone good and you know just so the timeline is correct too so your dad jim you know he, he coached not only the A's then, but then in the springtime, coach he was school ball. in a uniform. As a matter of fact, the year that they had, they won the state championship. He was also the JV coach. No way. So we never saw him. He was just he was gone all the time. Gone. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, he started coaching. Like I said, when he was like 25 years old after after the military. 25. Officially coaching, and then he was in a uniform till he was 85. Wow. Wow, that's that's a lot of time, yeah, but it's yeah. easy to see now how that could rub off on oh, yeah. onto just, to one just, of the kids yeah. here, huh? Yeah, and I'm, I have a brother Jeff who uh, coaches in the CFL. Oh, really? Yeah, he coached all over in college, and uh, now he's in the CFL. And my brother Jonathan, who was a teammate of mine for one year at Clay, is uh, coaching out in Hawaii. He's retired military out in Hawaii, and so he's he's got the bug too. So wow! So literally, it is yeah. it is a family <laughs> a effort. Virus. Here. <laughs> Which uh, brings back up to something I have l- written down here. Um, 
which I don't want to jump too far into, but we'll come back to it. But the Reinbold tradition, which is something that's very important to the family here about carrying the way on, which stems directly from your pops here. So, yeah, I mean, he, uh, he had a way that he thought you should, one, treat people, and two, uh, if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't do it half speed. Don't do it half, well, can't use the other word, but, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, if you're gonna if you're going to do it, do it with your heart. To with your heart. If, if you don't want to do it with your heart, then don't do it. It's it's not fair to any other people who are involved with it. Mississippi College, because mm-hmm. I mean, you you were a four year varsity starter down there. I don't want to miss out but on I know that. No, not here. varsity starter. I was a three year letterman. Uh, I was on the team as uh, I played like twelve games as a freshman. Um, That's but, still yeah, saying I led three years, three of the four years down there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I gave different, you too much world. credit there, though. But Dif- yeah, it was it was you never want to you never play as much as you think you should play, but. It was it was a good experience in that sense. And then uh, you know obviously throughout that process there, I mean that's when you usually make the decision um, while you're down at college. What were you going to do with your life after baseball was done and school was done? I I remember when I was a senior and we got beaten in sectional my senior year. I went out in left field. A, that's when we used to have it at Clay Park, and I cried because I thought it's it's done. You know what are you going to do? Because <laughs> uh, I love playing for my dad and I love playing for Clay and my teammates and all that. Um, so I went down there and played for four years on scholarship, but yeah, obviously you got to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll be a teacher and then become a coach. And then I started taking teaching classes and I realized I don't want to stand in front of people all the time. <laughs> I'm really pretty modest, a shy guy, but, and, uh, I said, okay, I can teach, but I can teach PE student teaching. I had seventh and eighth grade, uh, girls, uh-huh. PE. And then I realized, well, I don't want to do this either, <laughs> but I still want to be involved in baseball. So I thought, okay, I'll become a trainer. And then they told me, well, that's great. We'd love to have you, but uh, you got to come back early from the summer to get ready for football in like June. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do this because I want to go home and play and be with my family and all that. So I crossed that off my list. So, okay, I still want to coach, but I will figure it out later on. So uh, I came home. Uh, my junior year, and there's some. They were looking for help at Clay Park, and before that, I had ran the uh, the rec program at Eggleston School, and so I enjoyed being outside. So I started working at Clay Park. That morphed into eventually the stadium, and that was the stadium for 27 years. And now I'm at St. Mary's, taking care of the athletic fields over there. I almost would be remiss if I didn't talk about this, or at least didn't give you the opportunity to to talk about what it was like playing for your dad. I mean, I'm sure it's one of those one and it was it was you know what is everybody thought this is gonna be hard on you and or whatever. No, it never was. Um, I remember one time we were were hitting or something, and I said something about hey, Coach Ramble to Dad, and he goes, "You do know you're my son, don't you?" And I said, "Yeah, why?" He goes, "You can call me Dad." (laughs) I said, "Well, you know, out here I want to call you Coach Ramble or Four. He was called four more than more often than he was Coach Rambo. But it no, it never it never bothered me. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Never felt pressure. Never felt you know he's playing because he's a coach's son type thing. I know. I I it never bothered me. It was fun. To put you on the spot here, if you could think of one moment, one memory that sums up the moment in time playing for your dad in high school, what would it be for you? Well, I. Two things. One, when I was a senior, we were playing St. Joe, and obviously, for any Clay guy, I know that's the big rival. <laughs> um, and they had a guy named Steve Onaveris was on the mound. Steve Onaveris okay. ended up spending like 10 years in the big leagues. Yeah, and he was throwing BBs that night at, at Clay Park. It was in the Colonial Classic, and it was like a one nothing. It was a one. It was nothing nothing game going into the what was it, bottom of the sixth, and he had struck me out three times already. And we had a guy on second base. I said, oh, God, I don't, not, no, I'm not going to wear the golden sombrero here. <laughs> and so he, he had me 0-2. He threw me a fastball in the outside corner. I hit it right. I'm left-handed hitter, so I hit it right down the, left, the third base line. I mean, literally right on the chalk. <laughs> I couldn't have got any later on it. And we scored one run. We ended up beating him one nothing. And oh. Ed Hines was our pitcher. He struck out like 15 of them, and, and Onavera struck out like 16 of us. So it was a quick game. Um, and that was probably the most exciting thing that I can think of really that because I know how much dad would like to beat St. Joe and um, 
couple times I stole home straight steals that were pretty exciting too. Do you think you were P. Rose? <laughs> no, it's just I could run. <laughs> still hold the record there. Um, you still hold the record. I love how you slide in there. Consecutive stolen bases. Well, come yeah, on now. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. I know you're a shy guy, <laughs> but what's the record? Four, I was 44 for 44. Holy yeah. moly. Never got thrown out. Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. So you really did have P. Rose oh, yeah. late. I could run. Yeah. Okay. That was my best offensive thing back then. I wasn't real strong in high school. I wasn't a like, defensive player. I mean, Dad's thing was always defense. He loved defense, loved teaching defense. And I said, nah, just let me, <laughs> just let me swing the bat and swing, run the bases. And the other thing is when I was a sophomore well yeah and i played very little i just pinch ran basically because the sophomore team was very very good my my the year where you know when i was a sophomore the team was good so i i just pinch ran four or five times and we, <laughs> we were hitting on the field one time and i have older brother who coaches football and i said something to him a couple days before i said you know, jeff i'm not playing a whole lot you know i want to get on the field and he goes, okay, I'll take care of that. So <laughs> so he goes and gets a T-shirt for me because my family nickname was a toad, was Toad. Toad. So I had a Toad on this T-shirt, and above it, it said, play me. And below the Toad, it said, trade me or, tra- or trade me. <laughs> so I didn't wear it into practice. I had it underneath the sweatshirt or whatever. Play me or trade and me. And so we were hitting on the field, hitting on the field, and Dad calls out to me and I had taken off the sweatshirt at that time but he hadn't seen me so I turned around and had play me or trade me on the shirt and he just started laughing and he just walked away so okay so oh that was that was a funny gosh. time that was a funny time oh my yeah. gosh did you get an earful later on no, no actually no, he thought it, he actually thought it was funny and oh my gosh I thought, oh, I'm dead I'm dead yeah <laughs> but it was it was it was a funny thing I kept that shirt forever too for a long long time but oh. those were two things that really stand out in my mind but I played with some great guys too Danny Zomer played at Mississippi State when I was at Mississippi College, um, all kinds of guys, good ball players back then. So you graduated Clay then, what year? 79. 79, mm-hmm. okay. So, and I know I remember asking you this a little bit beforehand, though, but uh, you played baseball at Clay, your dad coached at Clay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any run ins with the uh, Gruden brothers, John or Jay Gruden at all? Uh, Johnny came in, um, I think there's a third one, too. There's a James. No way. I think. And I think he was in my class, but he didn't play sports that I knew of. Oh. Because uh, I was pretty much, I pretty much yeah. stayed my own way. Um, but Johnny came in the summer of 79, and he played baseball with Jonathan, my youngest brother, at uh-huh. Clay in 80 and 81. And John was a very good baseball player. He was a better baseball player than he was a football player. And he and did oh. well football. No kidding. Yeah. And... Um, like we talked about earlier, John hit a home run at Michigan City, and I didn't see it. I wasn't there, but a mutual friend and former teammate of John's, Brian Tramp, said he absolutely crushed that ball. And uh, long story short, the guy he hit it off ended up being an NFL official, and Johnny would give this guy some <laughs> some static about it. And if you ever saw Ames Field, Ames Field had a deep left field and center field. And he hit it out there. And so, yeah, John got the last shot on, on this guy. But, yeah, John uh, played after I, uh, after I left Clay. Okay, so we've gotten to hear a little bit about Clay. Um, you gave us some of your, your thrill thrill memories there from playing from mm-hmm. your dad. We talked a little bit about Mississippi College mm-hmm. and your time there. We talked a little bit about how you got into the parks and recs. Um, what was your dad? What brought you back to South Bend? Was it was this where you? This won- is this is yeah. This is where I wanted to be. This I, is where I, you wanted to be. I love the Caribbean and all that, but this this is where I was born and raised, and this is where my mom and dad were. Who I was very close with, and uh, uh, my brother Jonathan was still in town at that time, and my sister was still in. She was, lives in Mishawaka now, but um, so yeah, this is this is this, this is, is home, home for me. Yeah, this is home. Um, I know you mentioned the Caribbean. When did that come to fruition for you? I mean, the Caribbean it, thing. Yeah, but Jamaica. Um, Jamaica in particular. I had gone down there uh, probably ten years ago on vacation and. Really didn't get a chance to see a whole lot because I was on a state or whatever the hotel grounds. Oh. so you really didn't get to see Jamaica. Uh-huh. And so one year I was at, at the stadium still, and I was sitting in the dugout. It was late in the year, and I started thinking, you know, this is the ten thousandth game I'd seen in in 27 years there. So I'm sitting in the dugout thinking, okay, where am I going to go on vacation this coming winter? 
so I left the dugout, went up to my office, and uh, um, Googled baseball in Jamaica, and because I didn't know if they had anything, and something came up, um, and I contacted the guy. I said, "This is my name, da da da. This is my baseball background. I would love to help you out any way I can," and sent it off. And <coughs> excuse me, about uh, five minutes later, went back to the dugout. So I'm sitting in the dugout watching the game. And my f- cell phone rings, which it shouldn't done. I should have turned it <laughs> off when I'm in the dugout. And I, I answered it, and this guy's, hello, Joel, man. This is Don, Don Duncan. <laughs> Duncan, how are you doing, man? And I thought it was one of my buddies messing around because I had said something to a guy on my way back to, yeah. uh, uh, back to the dugout that I had done this. And I thought this uh, this guy was messing around with me. And I said, yeah, he's whatever. Did that. I couldn't. I can't say the words I was using. But uh, he goes, no, man, this is Duncan, Jamaica. And I said, come on. Okay, yeah, I'll call you back and, and after the game's over. So I called him back. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to use the accent because I'm not very good at it. But, but um, he goes, yes, I would love to have you come down and, and try to help us out down here. Long story short, this guy had... Live, born in Jamaica, moved to New York City when he was a kid with his family, joined the Marines, played baseball in high school in Jamaica in uh, New York City, learned that's where he learned it, and uh, came back to the states, got out of the army, was working in the post office, and his goal is to bring baseball to Jamaica because it's got, you know, it's got cricket, it's got soccer, it's got cross uh, track and field, you know, but there's very very little, if anything, baseball-wise down there. And he says, yeah, I'd love you to come down here and come and yeah, try to help us out. So for the last 10 years, probably up close to 10 years, that I've been going down there in winter, and people donate baseball, use baseball equipment to me. And I take it down there, and we do little clinics or whatever, and um, and spend a couple of weeks down there. Then, unfortunately, i got to come back to go to work or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. It really is enjoyable for me. So, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into the seven trips uh, to Jamaica. That's what you're at right now, right? Well, seven. Somewhere, that's at least that, yeah. At, at least, least seven, on the record at least. Yeah. And, um, you know. That we can talk about. <laughs> that we can talk about um, with FCC uh, rules and regulations <laughs> not uh, being, you know, infringed upon here. Um, but 2013, um, the trio. You want to talk about the trio? I mean, you guys literally left on a mission, and I believe uh, by the trio, I'm talking about Brian Grupp and T.J. Wolliver. <laughs> T.J. Wolliver and Brian Grupp. Brian Grupp, uh, when I was an assistant at Pan, I met Brian, and a uh, very good player. Had a little cup of coffee in organized baseball as a catcher. Great guy, very colorful guy, very... He went on to. He's also done uh, fishing in Alaska and on those, on the big boats and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, great guy, good athlete. T.J. Oliver moved to town. He's from Las Vegas originally, and when we had hard knocks over here in Mishawaka, he came in one night, wanted to say, ask if he could do lessons, pitching lessons, and you know, talked around a little bit. And uh, I said, sure, sure. He played pro ball. For the Atlanta Braves for a couple of years before he blew his arm out. He moved here because he had family in South Bend. He wanted to get out of Vegas. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> but he moved here, and we just struck up a relationship. Um, and in 2013, TJ was working with me at the stadium. He was my assistant. And I was telling these guys all through the winter before, I said, we got to go down. We got to go down. We got to go down and help these guys out. They need help. They need, they need baseball people. So we went down. And uh, we spent a week down there. Um, they 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 slept in a church. No way. Yeah, and I slept in a in a small, kind of like a bed and breakfast up in the mountains. You know, probably a half hour away from them. Is this where the love shack came? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to put you on the that's, spot. No, that's a different story. That's a different. That's story. a different story. Okay. This this fam, this the bread and breakfast was run by a mom, uh, son out of France, and it was just up on the hills. And I couldn't even I can't even think of a name of it now. <laughs> but TJ and Brian were were staying in this church, 
and uh, we got together during the week and, and did baseball with these guys. But uh, that was that was a crew right there. <laughs> oh my gosh! So you guys go down there, Dallas yeah. to Montego Bay, oh, Jamaica. Yeah. You oh, land. Yeah. yeah, I'm on. You guys are working with the 12 and under Latin American baseball um, yeah. playoffs that that team was getting ready to head into, right? Yeah, they they were going to go to the Latin American playoffs, the Little League playoffs, and. Uh, um, and you got to understand that they don't have baseball like we have baseball around here. It's just very, for lack of a better word, it's it's primitive compared to baseball around here. Um, but these kids, those kids are very athletic. They're very willing to learn. It's you know it's like trying to uh, corral a bunch of kittens because they're all over the place all the time. But uh, if baseball got their act together, they they should have camps in Jamaica just like they do in the Dominican or whatever, because there's some great athletes down there, and they, they want to learn. They and really and do. that's an initiative, though, mm-hmm. that you guys have started at least, uh, what, starting back in 2017, 2018? Uh, we started, well, that was 13, so I was doing that two years before that. So, yeah, I'm, they've been they've been doing, trying to get the, their feet underneath them down in Jamaica at least since 2010, 9, wow. somewhere in there. And you you obviously have been a big it's, part of that. Lo- I love it. It's just fun. It, it char- recharges my batteries to do it up here for the s- spring season up here. But uh, If Joel is so kind to us, uh, hopefully Coach will you know allow us to post the uh, the Love Shack photo. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we'll be able to get the story on this part one, but you better believe that this is setting up for a part two. <laughs> well, you did, you did some work in it. Yeah, I did some work. Absolutely. I wasn't playing around. <laughs> South Bend's first family of baseball comes to town. Come on now. <laughs> All right. So we'll back up a little bit. Yeah. Now, Grounds Guru yeah. is uh, what we'll call you around okay. these parts, right. correct? Thank you. And, no, it all starts because, uh, you know, it's not just the Kovaleski Stadium where you're at as Grounds and, and, and where you're at now at St. Mary's, but you've done these at uh, several different Little League parks I, around yeah. the area. John Baxter, my former GM at the stadium, the man who hired me at originally at the at Kovaleski, um, he and I now, in when we have time, we go about and do different fields. But I've been doing this on the side, um, probably what am I, 60 now? I'm probably 30 years almost. Um, I've done. I redid Penn twice. I did Niles High School. Muhammad Ali hired me to do Niles High School when his son was coming through there. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, he was a great guy, too. Um, he spared no expense. We did Niles. I redid mine at Clay. Uh, I've done, just this past fall, John and I did two Little League fields down in Bremen. They came out very nice. I did, uh, back 20 years ago, I, I did the... Uh, a league of their own field down by Jasper, Indiana. No way. After the, after the movie was done, I re- resurfaced that because they tore the heck out of it. They wanted to make it look like it was old, and they did. Yeah. <laughs> and so I re- I resurfaced that one. I think you cringe a bit. Oh, it was it was it was weird because <laughs> they still had the the billboards up and and the stands. It just looks it just looks like you're still in on the on the on the site of the movie. Oh. And it's really neat. I have pictures somewhere. But uh, sitting in the standing in the dugout like Tom Hanks was, <laughs> and uh, I did that one. I did, the, oh gosh, I've done at least 20 other fields. Ironically, though, you know, mm-hmm. for well, how long would you say? Maybe 20 years. You were the guy at the uh, the Cove taking 20, care. 27 years. Yeah. Now, did you ever think 1987, July 6th? A couple of days after a big old home run derby contest mm-hmm. uh, took place, that uh, you would be the guy to hit the no. first home run? No, I never thought. I mean, no, I really didn't. It didn't even enter my mind when we went in there to play. That was back um, when they were having people play there. It was an amateur game, college age guys and up. And uh, we happened to play that night. And the first time, first at bat, I had... Uh, a guy named Brian Petrowitz, who had played at Washington High School, played at Notre Dame, went on to play double-A for the Dodgers. I hit a ball, short hop the center field wall. I thought, man, I hit that ball pretty well. <laughs> so next time up, um, two strikes, opposite field, left field. So, yeah, it was... Is that was, by the church? Yeah, it, was, it didn't go... Uh, it didn't, didn't hit, the hit the church. Tr- no, it didn't hit the church. It landed on what was the bank up there then. It's no longer the bank. It's, I think it's a set of seats up there now, but uh, it stayed 
in the ballpark, but out of the plane surf. So it was a home run, but it did not leave the entire ballpark like hitting on a church. No, it didn't do that. <laughs> did you ever find yourself sitting um, in your spot? You would be during a game for a moment oh, yeah. in time, oh, reminiscing. Yeah, yeah. When that yeah. horn would go oh, off every, in a home run. Every time somebody hit a ball in. in a home run to left field. I thought, yeah, I hit one. You remember long that long before you did. So, yeah. and many, if you've ever been to what is now known as Four Winds Field, um, there's still the plaque there. I believe oh, yeah. that it's, is behind it's the home the concourse, plate. Yeah, somewhere in the concourse. Yeah, yeah behind yeah. the plate, home uh, side there. Yeah. You go and yeah. see the plaque, and uh, hey, you have an age a bit, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel about a hundred years old, but uh, <laughs> trying to take care of myself. But yeah, when I hit it. Um, John Baxter, the GM of the time, he happened to be there that night. So he, he collected the ball, brought it to the dugout, and asked me to sign the ball for showcase or whatever. Um, and I made the comment to him. And I had never met him before at that time. And I said, man, Mr. Baxter, sir, you really have a nice ballpark here. And his, his answer to me was, just sign the ball, will you? <laughs> and I looked at him like, okay. And then to this day, I still razz him about that. But yeah, just so sign you the have ball, a real nice ballpark yeah. here. Is that yeah. what you say to him? Just sign the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. And, of course, uh, you know, John Baxter, obviously, uh, you guys, that's your first meeting there. But yeah. it's not um, the last time that you guys would go into run-ins together. And, in fact, even to this day, you guys are still teamed up together, very, correct? Very much. I, I talked to him this morning, yeah. we um, um, Now that he's out of baseball, he and I work on fields together because he loves being outdoors and he's good with his hands uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, we have started doing some fields together. Um, on on the side for fun, yeah. And I guess we're going to do one at Riley High School. I just found out just before I came over here. So. Oh, you're going to be doing Riley? Potentially redoing Riley. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That'll be good for them. You know, yeah. they've been putting yeah. a good, uh, yeah. not to style up the co- competition yeah. <laughs> there, but, you know, they, they've been doing a solid job of rebuilding. Vince yeah, Dario over there, you yeah, might be familiar doing, with he him. Is really, he really cares about what what's going on over there. He's a good Absolutely. guy. He's going to work fall camp with us, too. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's coming back. So I know oh, yeah. 2020 got yeah. put on hold, we right? Got, we got it shut down because of the virus, but we have every intention of, of being back in, in the fall. That's yeah. beautiful. And yeah. the fact that you're going to add Vince to that 2021 calendar, yep. that's, uh, that's awesome. So that's going to loop us back here. Let's talk about the Ryan Bolt tradition, okay? Coaching, School of Hard Knocks, Rounding Third, Jamaica Little League, the Ryan Bolt Fan Baseball <laughs> Camp, which started in 1993. Yeah, it's been Let's a long time. pick where you want to start there, my friend. But, I mean, obviously yeah. you, you kind of preluded that. Uh, the three of you guys, uh, mm-hmm. your brothers, mm-hmm. are all invo- involved in coaching at some form or level, or at least involved in sports. Yeah. So, my oldest brother is retired military. He now lives in Atlanta. He flies for the FAA. Uh, then there's my second brother, Jeff, who for 30 plus years was coaching various colleges throughout the country, and did NFL Europe when they had that, and now he's coaching in the CFL in Canada, obviously. Um, then there's my sister, who's a social worker here in town, and then my youngest brother, uh, who played at West Point, is uh, coaching out in Hawaii. So yeah, oh, how cool is he that? Is, yeah, he's about 600 feet from the beach. That's <laughs> where you're going yeah. to be right now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's coaching out there, and he has a podcast about mental, um, uh, mental, positive mental imaging and that kind of thing for oh, athletes. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And that's a huge part. I mean, um, it's no secret, uh, and athletes all over the place deal with uh, injuries all the time, especially up in the head, and Mm -hmm. even dealing with stress. I mean, going through a pandemic, I'm sure. Yeah, he's all about uh, the mental aspect of the game. That's cool. That is cool. And I'm sure you've been able to take a a couple of things away, (laughs) right? It's always interesting talking to him. (laughs) You feel like I'm talking to a therapist. Yeah, turn off the therapist. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Does he uh, send you a bill after he's done? Oh, yeah, of course. That's that's what little brothers do. But no, Uh, he's... He's into that, yeah. So you guys all together, I mean, at what point in time did you guys all cohort together and say, hey, we're going to go and uh, be coaches here and shaper of young minds I, you and men? What? It's it's My brother, who's a football coach, who would be a very – actually, when he was coaching at Dartmouth on the football side, he did freshman baseball there too. But he – I guess we get it from Dad. And then uh, we all just did it on our own. It's not like he forced us into it or whatever. Right. It's just it's just something that came natural to us because obviously you can only play so long, <laughs> and you want to be around the game. Uh, that's the next step to go. But uh, the youngest one went in the military um, 
for 25 years or whatever, and then he wanted to get back into sports. So he started coaching too, and it's just, it just goes from there, you know. Hey, it's a family thing. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Like the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's the first family of South Bend baseball here. Um, but let's talk a little bit about then. We, we've kind of introed John Baxter mm-hmm. into the into the mix of things. Mm-hmm. But let's uh, talk about you guys teaming up for the School of Hard Knocks. That's uh, yeah. We actually had just we just sold that to uh, Shane Bays, who runs it now. Um, we had the Land Shark travel baseball program and one of the other owners actually the, uh, the majority owner at that time Jim Robinson started uh, the travel program with the Land Sharks but when dad when dad was like 74 years old some some parents who had kids that were playing at Penn wanted to get their kids more baseball and they said they came to him and say hey, will you coach this team if we put it together and dad said yeah I'll do that so the, he got the team together for a couple of years, and they played down in Florida and all over and did really well. They finished seventh in the nation one year. And so when he got it out, got when he left that, uh, it just kind of stayed dormant. It was dormant for a while. And then Jim Robinson joined us at Hard Knocks, and he brought it back. And when when we got we sold it, we had like 26 different travel teams in baseball and softball. Wow. So, yeah, we, we got that. We got um, out of that, and uh, Shane, Shane Bays runs it now. Uh, but I still do lessons up there and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's a nice little program. You guys had that going for I mean that was that oh, was yeah. a heck of yeah. a run. Yeah, they, I mean I remember even yeah. my parents dropping off my older brother, you know, for hitting lessons mm-hmm. uh, not too long we ago. Were, we were um, we started over in Mishawaka. I think it was like 2004, and technically just sold it this past fall. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what's wow. Going, what's going on? That also brings into us talking a little bit about, um, I mean, you kind of mentioned about the Ryan Bold uh, fan baseball camp, which is coming mm-hmm. back. But let's talk about rounding third. Oh, yeah. It's my uh, other love. The other love. Absolutely. Um, when I, The first time I went down to Jamaica, it was an eye-opener because, like I said, they have next to no baseball down there. And... Obviously, there's no Dicks, no Dunhams, no sporting goods stores per se like that. And if there are, you're not going to find baseball stuff. So, and one of the things when I first started talking to those people down there, they said, we need equipment. We don't, we can't get equipment. You know, it's hard to get equipment down here. And I said, okay, we'll see what we can do. So, John, John Baxter, and I talked to him. John had gone down there on a family vacation not too long uh, before me, and I said, John, you know, I love it down there. It's great, uh, you know. And he goes, Yeah, I love it too. And I said, You know, I'm gonna do the baseball thing down there, and um, but they have no equipment. And he says, Okay, we'll start collecting equipment, and then you can take it down whenever you go down. And I said, Okay, all right. So before I know it, we had more than ample amounts of gloves and stuff like that, and we'd take I'd take them down there every time I'd go and give them to the kids and and in the coaches down there. Then they, you know use them but uh yeah that was another thing that john and i got together on and we're sitting around one day said okay we need a name for this organization and we threw some things around and then um yeah that's no good no nah, that's no good and then john right out of the blue said uh how about rounding third I said, yeah that's great that's that's fantastic and so we started using that name as our as our uh, as our mantra and um it just it's we all we do is collect equipment and stuff that's usable that we take down there i'll take down there i'll give it to the coaches down there give it to the kids down there we do a little baseball instruction for a couple of weeks and then unfortunately i got to come back to go to work but uh but it's yeah it's it's i we probably in the time we've done this sent at least at least 200 gloves and dozens of dozens of baseballs and it's everything because they don't have anything they don't and, and um, first time I went down there, their, their bases were painted rocks that were white. No way. Yeah, painted white rocks. Yeah. yeah talk, tell us a little bit about uh, what one, because I mean, I'm not sure how many folks over here, you know, have been to Jamaica like that. Mm-hmm. You know, what was you? What did you see? What was the baseball field like? You know, if there was a field. <laughs> you know, um, actually, they they told me there was a one actual field in the country, and it was at a uh, a college that the Cubans had built for them and they had for a couple of years they they had a class at the college how to teach baseball or whatever and they'd use the field 
But by the time I had gone down there, it was overrun. And they took me to it, and they said, there's, there's, our, there's our field. And I said, where? And they had goats eating the grass. No way. Yeah, they had weed eaters cutting the grass. And uh, the backstop was literally um, like four boards nailed together. That was their backstop. And I said, this is a field? And I said, yeah, this is what we got. So, and the, and the bases were painted white. There were rocks that were painted white. And I, I was, that's, that was a pretty much a... The Jamaican idea. field of dreams is yeah, pretty much just, what you yeah. had. Uh, and then they, I met the grounds guy, and, and I told him, you know, they asked me questions about taking care of fields and all that stuff. And so it was pretty obvious that they, they didn't know what to do. And, and, you know, I wouldn't know what to do with a cricket field, for that matter. <laughs> but uh, but uh, they were, really, it was a ground zero, really was. And you guys at one point, I'm, I'm referring to you and, and John Baxter, were at one point talking about building a baseball field down there. Oh, yeah. They, they, they want to do it. And the thing is, you got to find a spot to do it. It's, right. It's, it's, it's not the most flat ground in the world. And then, um, oh, yeah, that's definitely, yeah, yeah. And you guys talked about the fact that the one thing that really is holding, and I think you kind of started to touch on it there, is land there, unlike here, is valuable. Oh, it is, yeah, it's, and obviously the closer you get to the water, the more more expensive it is. But, yeah, it's. It's not uh, cheap. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so it's been a, it's been a pretty hard challenge to, oh, to yeah. find. They, I mean, and I've told the guys down there that you really can't take off until you have a field. You got to right because I've I've done baseball stuff in parking lots with them down there, um, in open fields, behind the schools. I mean, and people don't understand their schools are not like our schools. Um, it's it's just a different world. It's different a- atmosphere and different attitude. Yeah. You got to experience that. I believe that uh, when you were down there, you got a little bit of taste of Jamaica Jamaican Day or Jamaica Day. Uh, a little of everything. Definitely. A little of everything. You actually got to see what the school system, oh, the school yeah, was so like. We went to schools, and and obviously this is an visual product, but the schools are open in the sense that uh, the, the country they call them country schools. Yeah. Which is where most of the baseball stuff's going on. It's they're basically like cinder block buildings with openings at the top, so the air flows through instead of having air conditioning. So they, it's the air yeah. open. Yeah, it's completely. I can't even without having pictures. You can't really understand what. And um, the kids clean the school afterwards, so there's no janitors per se in the areas that I've been. Yeah. Um, but the the air flows through because like three <laughs> three fourths of the way off the floor is it's open. Wow. So, yeah, and the birds can fly through or whatever, and uh, it's it's a different world. So it became very apparent. And, what I mean, obviously, so you had that first run in there, and something had to keep drawing you back. Was oh, it the, the love the of... The kids, they, they just they want to learn, and the, they, the Jamaicans are supposed to be very, very friendly, and it's, you know, the tourist thing, but it's true. They they, they are very friendly to you. They Especially when you, when you show interest in the kids in the sense you're trying to help the kids. They are very good to you. They'll take care of you. Um, but yeah, it's the kids. The the fact that kids want to learn, uh, they're excited. Uh, you know, it's just different world. I took baseball cards down to them one time, and they'd never seen baseball cards before. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Who's this? What's this? And, you know, this that kind of thing. Bubble gum. It's just it's. They just had that really natural fun. curiosity, yeah. Oh, yeah. huh? Yeah, it's just fun. So you came home from Jamaica, mm-hmm. and. Um, Finally, all started to come back where it all started, right? How'd that decision come about? Come back to play? Yeah. Uh, Coming I had, on home. Yeah, came home. Uh, I had left Penn in 13, I think it was, and the job at Clay opened up. Um, and my whole life, I, I've always wanted to be, this is home, you know. Yeah. You can take jobs other place, but this is home. And Clay is where I went to school, played for Dad, the whole thing. Uh, I always thought I wanted to, if, if they ever started a small school in, in South Bend College, I'd love to do that. The second thing would be South Bend Clay, if, if the job ever opened up. And it unfortunately, Chad passed away, and uh, the job opened up, so I applied. I got the job, and uh, been there since. Um, and, you know, there's a historic value there of coaches in this baseball program. I mean, it starts with your dad mm-hmm. back in the 70s, but it also stretches to... Uh, to Chip O'Neill was there. Dan Casper. Um, Dan Casper followed dad. Dan was an assistant with me 
uh, dad's last five, six years at Clay, and uh, uh, he had the head job for one year after dad re- resigned to go in pro ball. Yeah. And then Chip came in for, I think it was 22, and then Chad had it for two before he got sick, and uh, I've been there since... 14, I think it is, something like that. What was it like entering first day, different 2014? World from when I was there. Yeah. It's just different. The hallways probably looks the same still. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that, that kind of thing. It's just, it's just, um, um, and it probably still smelled like 1970 <laughs> in the coach's office. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's just, it's, it's an art school now. Um, so it's, it's just a different field. I mean, it's uh it's still clay to me but um it's it's different i coached quarterbacks for coach shiko there 2015 yeah um so i know the smell of that pungent coach's <laughs> office in there believe me when i tell you that adamantly you really yeah Seriously? yep i coached uh quarterbacks for joe shiko in his last year at clay so, so i played we're, for we're him on and the same then, staff basically yeah yeah really yeah but we okay. know what we wouldn't have seen each other though no. because you guys no. you guys were doing your thing yeah. you know but uh, I, know I know it's a small world. Um, just notice that. Oh my gosh, that's that's amazing. I Four. Just, no, just notice that. Yeah. I promise you that I, wasn't even planned. I just I just put my drink down and I saw that. Wow. Yeah, I could tell you stories about seeing that number too sometime oh in Jamaica my gosh. and beyond. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like I just saw that dude and it just blew my mind. Wow, you're talking about getting stopped in your your tracks there, but number four there is in front of us. I guess he's here too, huh? Yeah, I guess. There was a story. There's a. I was after he passed, and I was in Jamaica. Uh, I was doing a baseball thing, and um, I took some pictures. And there's this long story. There's a girl that was at Clay, basically the same time I was there. I didn't know her, but she told my dad one time she's gonna play shortstop for my dad. And he goes, "Honey, I'm sorry. There's you. Can, <laughs> you, you there's softball, but you no, know, I'm gonna play baseball. I mean, no, it never worked. Anyway." Long story short, his, her son goes in pro ball, and I get in touch with her somehow on Facebook. Um, so we're passing stories back and forth. And this is after Dad passed. And uh, she says, take a look at the pictures that you took from Jamaica. So I'm looking at these pictures, and I said, okay, I remember this, taking them, but I, what, do you, what am I looking at? She goes, look, at the, look just look. And then um, on the ground... There was a four. There was the shadow of a four. And obviously, when I took a picture, I didn't notice it. And there's another picture of uh, uh, I took at the beach, and there was a, a four on the on the on the on the beach too that I never noticed before. Long story short, she's kind of a, a psychic or whatever you want to say, or is in touch. And and this that's for a whole other conversation. But but it was really really spooky. And then when I looked down at the mic here and, and saw the number four, like holy moly. And that's where the stop came from was is you know Joel recognizing that there was a four here, and we started out talking about that was one of the the names that you know mm-hmm. your dad was called. Correct? Oh yeah, yeah. He's called. I I I can't I can't tell you how many thousands of times I heard. Hey four, what's four? You know how's four doing or whatever. Yeah. To kind of come back full circle here, at least, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the challenges dealing with uh, being in a theater school. Yeah. You know, you don't have the normal athletes that no. you, you would have, like, say, at Penn no. or, or no. even a different South Bend school. <laughs> so no. you've had to do that. And has How have you worked through that as a, we, a manager? You know what? We're not, we're not allowed to recruit. Yeah. We're not allowed to. Matter of fact, I haven't seen our guys since February of 19. No way. Because of the pandemic. We were, we were just finishing up what we call Devil's Island. Which is our conditioning program, all right? Um, and I got a message from Al Hartman, our AD, and I said, hey, he says, I need to talk to you, you know, da da da. And so I go talk to him, and he goes, hey, we got to shut everything down. This is what's going on, da da da. As you know, the virus, da da. But we got to shut everything down. I said, okay, that's no problem. You know, two weeks. We, we are going to take a week off anyway because the softball team is getting ready for their tryouts, and they get, they need the whole space, which is fine. So we're going to shut it down anyway. He goes, okay, we'll just get back when we get back. Two weeks became three, became a month, and then we, then finally, obviously, it's done. Wow. And then uh, we rent the field out in the summertime as our big fundraiser. That was shut down. Couldn't do that. Then we used the field for the fall for Jim Reinbold Fall Baseball Camp. That was shut down. And finally got to the point where he says, we don't know when it's going to be allowed in – you know, everybody get back together and all that stuff. 
So as of right now, we still haven't seen our kids since February 19. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Is, are there and any, I have no idea how many bodies plans? we're gonna have or who's gonna be. I have no idea. Is there any plans? I mean, do you have I, you guys talked yet at all? Yeah, no? we we've talked amongst ourselves, but uh, you know right. we don't we don't know. And, and the, the the sad thing is we would have had 10 seniors this past year, and those guys, well, five would first time guys, but the other five had been with us for at least two years and. They lost their senior year. There's, you know, it's not like college where they can get an extra year or whatever. Right, right. So they're done. They never, and we never had a chance to work with the younger guys. So we have no idea going into this thing. And other schools, and I'm not crying on your shoulder, but other schools are working out and all the other stuff, and we're still shut down. So, which has to make it just that much oh, harder it's, it's, for it's, you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good thing that the Riley Field project is coming up, I guess, <laughs> there you huh? Go. But, but yeah, that's it. I speaking mean, of fields, though, you guys actually had the opportunity over the last year, I believe. You guys renamed the baseball field out there. Named that for Dad now, yeah. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Jim Rainbow Field. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? You know, it was it was great. We had it all planned out. We were going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the state championship team, and the name changed too. That got shut down too. So oh no, it's it's on the it's on the back of the press box, but that's that's the far as it's gone so far. So are you guys going to do gonna, something? Yeah, if we if we have a season, <laughs> but we uh, yeah that's we're working on that too. But uh, it's it's you know it's been an ex- adventure. Let's put it that way. It's been an adventure and that everybody that everybody's had to deal with. So you know we it's all the same for everybody, but. Um, you know, there's like we've literally not worked with our guys since February of 19, and that's just got to be tough. It's, it's it's incredible. So we're talking with Joel Reinbolt of um, well, right now he's the clay manager of their <laughs> baseball team, but uh, TBA right now when they're going to get started here, hopefully for a 2021 season. But um, we keep the fingers crossed there. I think we have set ourselves up, my friend, for doing this in two parts. Whatever you want. This is fun. I enjoyed it. Good because uh, since you're an old colonial. Yeah, I know. That much better. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to. Thank you so much for taking time today to stop on. Um, I'm looking forward for our part two, which I almost think that we're going to have to release back to back. So I'm thinking the end of. February when this gets released, I feel like now we're going to have to record another episode together. You name it. You, anytime I can help you out, love, this has been fun. I enjoy this. Joel, is there anything that you want to you want to plug into where listeners can either find any of your organizations or? Uh, they can go online to find out about Jim Reinbold Fall Baseball Camp dot com. It's really a good thing. We have coaches throughout the area. Uh, Dad started it in '93. Um, because other coaches had come to him and say, hey, we need something in the fall. Can you do it? And that's like, yeah, I'll do it. And so he started on his own, and, and we generally have 80 to 100-plus kids throughout the area. Um, we have uh, games on, on basically Sundays now, but we all have instruction before the game, during the game, and after the game. And it's it's if you're a baseball person, that's where you want to be. It's really, we have outstanding coaches and you know, from every – you know, you know, John Keogh from Washington, old Washington High School coach, Tom Washburn from St. Joe, uh, Ryan Wolf from Plymouth. So they're all over the place. That's outstanding. It's a good thing. It really is. Well, Joel, yeah. thank you so much no for problem. taking time, man. We're looking forward to part two. You got it. Anytime. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.